My first rifle was a 243. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me. And they taught me how to shoot with a steady hand. I guess that's something you don't understand. And welcome to another episode of All American Wing Shooting. Today is super special because Chris Cifrio with Jargon Gang Calls is coming on. With me, we've got a lot to talk about, so much to catch up on. And we might do my first duck calling lesson. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm you laughing with laugh you, not at me. What now? No, you would believe, you know, you talk about that, but there's so many people that literally, you know, they always, they're kind of bashful about blowing a duck call around somebody. And it, you can't be that way when you first start to try to learn. I mean, you know, it's like anything else, you know, pointers, you know, uh, shooting upland. I don't know how to do that. I couldn't even tell you what you, the first thing you do when you get out of the truck to shoot pheasant. I just can't. I've never done it before. I wish I have, but. Okay, we'll do this. Yes, I'm glad to know that. Yeah, I mean, Ashley, the same way, you know, is take her on a duck hunt. You know, she's been on a couple of duck hunts, but she don't know all the ropes and everything she's got to do, whatnot. But, yes, yeah, so, I mean, when you when you talk about duck calling, there's tons of people that will literally sit there and be like, hey, no, uh, don't laugh at me, or I'm not going to blow my call around you. But there's the only, way you, the only way you get better is by blowing your call. I mean, there's no telling how many times I've blown when I first started out, just aggravating people. Just constantly, constantly, constantly blowing. So you got to blow, you know, to in order to get better. Okay, so let's see here. I think it was last September, early October, I was podcasting with Benny from Prairie Wildlife. That's pretty close to you guys over there in West Point, Mississippi. Yep. It's a quail lodge. And Benny and I have been friends for forever. I love Prairie Wildlife. I love promoting them. I love going there. I love taking people there. I love sending people there. And on the and on our podcast, he's like, "Well, what's what do you have going on next? Because I've been in this kind of transition to where I want to get back to my roots, shooting, teaching wing shooting, recruiting wing shooting, having my ladies events. I miss that stuff. COVID got me off track and sent me on a different way, <clears throat> like everybody else. And it's time for me to circle back around to that. And I said, well." I think I'm going to learn to blow a duck call. That's going to be my new thing because everything else I'm doing is something that I've already done. And he's laughing at me and I'm like, you can laugh all you want to. But here I'd been at Chad's for like four months. I was out there for the summer and he didn't give me the time of day to even like show, um, like show me any attention when I showed him interest. And he's out there following reads, just tuning everything up to send back to you and all this stuff. And I'm like, I love this stuff. Like, I was raised in a woodworking shop. My dad is a high-end guy. Like, that's my jam, woodworking. And so this is so similar. I love the shop. I love the equipment. I love the process. He just overlooked me. He thinks I can do all kinds of other things, but I was like, I'm really interested in what you're doing. But it was (laughs) really funny. And so I was like, fine. We had duck calls and turkey calls in every room and he was blowing stuff all the time. But I was like, okay, this is either going to go really, really good if I just take it the initiative with him or it's going to go really bad. So I was like, forget that crap. I texted Ashley. I was like, I need Chris. 
No, did you get your duck call and everything? I did. Okay. So I actually have Tater Bugs too. Tater got one the first day she ever met Chad. He's like, Tater Bug needs her duck call. Nobody ever asked a fan of V101 until Ashley. Ashley texted me and she was like, girl, if you and the girls need anything, you message me. I was like, well, as a matter of fact, so look how pretty this is. Did you see it? Did you see what she yeah. did? Yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. I like it. your logo a lot too. Your logo looks really, you, really with good. With my little shotgun in there with between yeah. the end. So Chad sent me a video of um, all of Rob Roberts' calls that you guys just yeah. did, like his custom stuff. And I had not shown him my call yet. I told him I got one, but he had no idea that like it was so cool. And yeah. I was like, well, Rob Roberts is so cool. Like he's one of my faves, but I was like, I think I can trump that. <laughs> and I showed it to him and he like totally flipped out. That's his favorite call too, is the live duck, believe it or not. But I mean, more and more people, I mean, that call is the most universal call that we offer. It's just, you know, as far as learning how to blow a call. Yeah. If you get, if you get that call down and you can blow it proficiently, I promise you there's not a call in the world that you can't pick up and run it. It might not cater to you. It might not be like that one and sound mm -hmm. or whatever, but you're going to be able to run any call. And the reason why is because of the hold, the back pressure, and I'll get into more of that, but everything in a call is about basically feel, you know, to be able to feel that read, to be able to, whenever you push air into it, you're getting that feel back. And so on that call right there, that back pressure and that mm -hmm. hold, hold down and read you'll feel it that's where you get your whines and your squeals and all that stuff and then of course your feed call and so there's a lot of calls that basically when you blow into it it's not giving anything back to you it's like you're blowing air straight through it and you kind of have to have your air right but this one makes it to where you can just basically blow into it with ease and mm. have that back get back to you which is helping you know get what back. that pressure like, is yeah it's kind of like me you know, and I always tell this to, to men, of course, but I was like, if I punch you in the shoulder, you know, as soon as I punch you, it's going to bounce back, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to bounce back. And that's what you want in a call is you want something that when you push that air, it comes back, push it, comes back to you. And that's where you get that back pressure at. And so um, that live duck, like I said, I mean, Rob, you know, Rob Roberts, of course, I mean, that's the call. That's his call. I gave him one probably. I don't know. It's probably been about four years, three years ago, and he's blown it and blown it and blown it. And they finally was like, "Hey, look, you know, let's make a round of calls," and did the and it, they come out awesome. And that they did, that really, they did. I just, yeah. I just loved mine. Yeah, I can't wait to tell him he's gonna he's gonna be excited that I'm doing this. He um he worked with Taterbug at Turkey Camp last year on her turkey calling. So really? Yep. Yeah, like we just love him. We love yep. him. Now, Taterbug, she has a chit chat. Oh, yeah. That's my next her favorite color in orange. Yeah. Yeah. The chit chat is enough. That's got more back pressure in it. It's even better to learn on because, you know, it's got more back pressure. It's got a smaller diameter to hold, really good hold. It doesn't have as much hold as a live duck does. Um, I actually have a live duck and a green pearl, too. This is just the matte finish. And then, of course, I have the the new, uh, which Realtree call, but, um, you know, in different colors make different sounds, believe it or not. But my favorite colors are black, green, and dark tan is the oh, ones that, that I like. that would be me too. That would yeah. be me too. Okay. So the, that, I mean, I'm, I know this is a very different 
different call, but I, I think that is so interesting because of the material and I guess the makeup of with the colors combining. Is that like, is that what it does? Because Tasia is kind of like translucent where mine isn't, but yeah. is it the color or is it the finish? That's a pearl. The pearl, well, the finish, you know, anytime you polish something and, you know, of course we don't, we don't sell on the website anything polished because we will always, when I went into this the second round, you know, had a business before this one. And then me and Chad got together and we started it is I wanted it to be, you know, a call that was as camouflaged as possible. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we put a silver band on it and we just put a silver band to dress it up just a little bit. But I even think putting a, a matte band on it, you know, a matte black, because like the Mega Four has a matte black band yeah. on it. Or like we, a we go out there. We, yeah, we spend all this money on camouflage. We spend all this money on trying to conceal ourselves. And then we get out there and we're flashy, you know? Yeah. So I tried to, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't think at the end of the day, by the time the ducks get down and they can see your call, it's probably over with for them. Uh, but you know, I'm always thinking about that. You know, sometimes I'm sitting there blowing a call and I'm like looking at it. And, I, you know, you look at somebody and you see them have a cell phone pull out and it reflects. And you're like, that gonna put your cell phone up, you know? Are your sunglasses? Right. Sunglasses. Yeah. They key in on that. I mean, yeah. wildlife keys in on that. It's not natural. It's not that they're afraid of. It's just not natural, you know? So don't get me wrong. I mean, that's that's kind of why we, we do the matte finish. Of course, we're catering to everybody. But does it make a... 100% difference? No, probably not, but it's just, it's in my head. So I always said, hey, let's just sell Mac calls and not even polish any. So that's why we hadn't even sold any. We just do little special runs for you and Rob and stuff to have it kind of dress it up a little more. So, yeah. So what is the option? Can people call in and, and say like they want a certain color or something like that? Or is it just on the catalog? on the website no i mean they can i've had people called in and say hey look i want to go ahead and uh do some wild color that just came out that i just don't offer the reason why i don't offer everything i can i can get everything it's a matter of literally you just think of it in a rainbow of how many colors different colors there is that's how many pretty much options there is out there i mean there's crazy amount of options so it's like you can't keep all those options in stock constantly but But like for instance like this would be the coolest like bachelor gift or company Christmas present or something like that, you know, and personalizing it. What's that look like? Yeah. We personalize a bunch of calls. Um, you know, I always tell everybody, you know, we can do anything you want and then graven. Uh, we can put anything you want on it. Uh, we have the capability to do it. It's a matter of how, I, I want them to come to me and say, hey, this is exactly where I want it. That way I don't have to even think about it because you start putting combinations on it and they're like, oh, no, I don't really like that. And mm-hmm. then, you know, hate to say it, but there's a way to where I won't waste so many parts, but you have to test the part in order to look at it. So every time you test the part, there's only so many spaces that you can test it on until you basically have to throw that barrel away, you know? And so that's how we test them is we'll paint them and then, paint, you know, engrave them and paint them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if somebody wants to call in, has a bachelor deal, a wedding, they want 10 groomsmen's or 15, whatever it might be, yeah, we can do all that, you know. They want to polish, we can do that. They want a certain color, we can do that, you know. So the sky's the limit. Um, we hadn't even really touched into all the stuff and capabilities we can do as far as in, in the custom side, I guess you could yeah. say. You know? 
So, because but, I mean, uh, you're still such a fairly new company. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've been doing it now for. Don't hold me to this because I'm horrible with dates. I feel like yesterday we just got married, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's like five years, maybe six we're going on. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. And so I told Chad and we kind of had a mutual deal is, is that I want to walk before I crawl before I walk. I don't want to just run into it and just saturate it and just throw everything out. And I want to really just take our time and build it, you know, um, and, and keep up with our customers. Cause I hate to say, this is my motto. When I give you a call, I have one chance to impress you one time. If I don't impress you on that call, you're probably not going to buy from me again. If you don't like the call, if it doesn't sound good to you, you're probably not buying another one. So in order for me to get you as a repeat customer and to get you uh, happy with the product you just bought, because I mean, hate to say it, this is not cheap, these acrylic calls. It's to make sure that it's tuned to perfection. I mean, half the people out there in the market care less really what color it looks like. But if it sounds good, it, they're going to keep it on their lanyard. You know, it's going to be the number one on their lander. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make sure that it's tuned to perfection. So, um, and there's ways we do that. You know, every time I touch it by hand, being that I'm human, every time I touch it by hand, I take a chance of basically it not being the same as another. And so that's why my machining, I really, really strict on my machine tolerances to keep up with that. So, um, I mean, the Mega 4, it comes straight out the machine. No touching it, no nothing. Um, all I do is basically take a toothbrush across it to get any spots that might be a little high spot where the machine cut the acrylic and it might have left a little um, shaving or whatnot. I'll hit it with that and I'll put a reed in it and let it rock. But on these custom calls like these J-frames, um, that's where it comes in to touch. you know. And if somebody blows 10, it's going to be very hard unless they're just really, really good to be able to pick out that, hey, this is a different call than this one, or this one sounds different and so forth. So um, keying in on that, making sure that somebody's getting the same, you know, they always say that, right? You're getting yeah. the same call that I, I blow on my lanyard. Well, it is true, 100%. I mean, we blow a call three times. One time when it's tuned, we put it down, we blow it a second time, and before it goes out the door, we blow it a third time to make sure that it's perfect. So, because um, there's different things that will uh, you know, and not getting into the craziness of my head, but there's so many variables that there yeah. is in a duck that you don't even realize, you know, the, the, the cork, you know, the width of the cork, the thickness of the cork, the thickness of the reed, the where you cut the reed on the sheet, all that stuff comes into play to make sure that you get a consistent part, you know, so. And it is such a hands-on product. Like, We'll go to camp and Chad takes over the dining room everywhere we are. Usually he's tuning calls because you guys are blowing up and everybody's got to do their job. So if he's not in front of the camera, he's tuning duck calls and yep. I'm wrapping them up and getting them shipped back to you. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I've yep. done it. <laughs> well, that's one good thing Chad does. I'll be honest with you. Well, I mean, he says a lot of good things, but I'm saying that's one good trait that he does that I like a lot is that, you know, you could bump off a goose call really quick. I mean, really quick. And so wrapping them like that keeps them from getting bumped off, you know, and you know, we tune a lot here too, but it's hard to keep up. And Chad's just, you know, I've always told him he's, he really, he's really, really good on a goose call. I mean, the sounds he makes and, you know, John David and all those other guys they are, they're incredible too. And, 
but you know when you get somebody that knows how it's supposed to sound like you know and that's why it's kind of hard to bring somebody on to just be a tuner because you really got to be proficient and even though you can blow a call really good doesn't mean that you're proficient on tuning because you know a lot of people are not like me that where they're like uh that's not perfect. I'm going back to the sander or I'm going back yep. to, I'm going to throw that read away and I'm going to start over again. They don't do that. They're just like, you know, Hey, look. I think he enjoys it. I think he, yeah. I think he actually enjoys sitting there doing it. Yep. Yep. And I enjoy it too. I just, you know, I want to hear about you. I love jargon. We know you guys put in a hundred percent. Like it's like, it's like a little fraternity club over there at jargon. You know, you guys are just sold out to it. I love the, the motto behind it. I mean, I was sucked into this brand just because of the way your marketing rolls together so well. And it tells a story. Yeah. It's just so cool. Like I hope that one day I'm on the internet searching for like antique jargon calls. Like I hope Tater Bugs doing that down the road. Like, man, this was before we even met them. And I want to have this, like she gets all geeked out about those things too, you know? And so I just love that you guys built something that definitely has a story to tell for years to come. Absolutely. You know, the, the crazy thing about it is, and people probably won't know it until I tell it, but you know, when I give all credit to Chad is, you know, we were in a coffee shop, you know, when we decided we were going to do this thing and we were thinking of names and literally in a coffee shop and I think we were in Sparks, Nevada and uh, maybe Reno, but I think it was Sparks. And he said, uh, what about jargon? And, automatically because you know there's always these catchy names right um yeah. Reebok Nike or whatever it might be and you're like Jorgen and boom it just clicked with me and I said yeah that's it no questions asked that's that's it exactly you know and then he's like yeah I mean it's basically you know you know what Jorgen is and specific language to th- to different professions and I'm like yeah that's exactly what we do is we when we go out in the field uh, there's, if I bring on somebody that's never been duck hunting before, a lot of them don't understand what we're talking about, you know, yeah. the jargon that we're speaking, you know, yeah. and so, uh, it just made sense because we are, we're trying to communicate with waterfowl. We're trying to communicate. Yeah, not with- just the, the duck hunter jargon within itself that you have to learn the language right. of that culture, but the jargon between you and the duck coming in and me coming from the upland, I'll tell you. The first time that I sat in a blind and watched this happen, we were actually goose hunting and then this group of mallards came in and Chad just started just playing, just showing off, you know? And it was the coolest thing for me because we couldn't shoot, but even if we could have, I don't think that I would have. I was like so mesmerized to watch mm-hmm. these birds come in. So for all you uplanders that have not been on a mallard hunt, it, the goose hunts aren't the same to me. Like they're just not the same, but to watch those mallards come in they just circled around around and around and then they circled behind us and then they just all sat in the water and it was beautiful it was like oh my gosh where's the orchestra it was really really cool so i cannot wait into the timber like that'll be the next thing so i'm like we'll never give up pheasant hunting but i'm super excited yeah i think you know there's all it's kind of like trout fishing say for instance i mean i my, my biggest thing as far as the fishing is bass fishing. And I think the reason why is because it's the challenge, right? It's the, you don't go out there and catch 50, you know, 20, 30 bass that often. I mean, you can do it, don't get me wrong, but I go for big fish. I mean, that's the, you know, big bass, six, seven, 10 pounders or up to 10 pounds, you know? And with mallards, that's my thing. I'm a mallard purist. 
I, you tell me tomorrow, hey, look, you want to go shoot some wood ducks? Eh, I'm not probably probably not getting out of bed to go shoot wood ducks. That's all we have in Georgia. Don't be eating on the wood ducks. No, they're fun. <laughs> they're fun wing shooting. But at the end of the day, I can't communicate with them. And that's the whole key thing is, is that being that I don't – because I tell people all the time, I literally, when you take me hunting, you don't have to worry about me shooting first, ever. Because I'm like you. I mesmerize every time I go. I yeah. like to communicate. I like to get them – I like them to do things that they've never done before to, to trick them. I mean, that's the whole thing in hunting, in my opinion, is to fool them. Hey, look, you're sounding exactly like a mallard, you know? So that's the reason why they came in. And don't get me wrong. If you're on the X and you're in a spot that they can come in day in, day after, you probably don't even have to blow their crawl. They're going to come in there. But when you call these birds that are sky high, that are just way up in there and they heard you, and the only reason they came in there is because they heard you and you convinced them to come down there that there was a bunch of ducks. That's when it's awesome. You cannot beat it. The thing that comes over your body is just unbelievable. So you this know? is this is a lot like turkey hunting, right? Like I do really enjoy turkey hunting. I hate snakes. That's put me on pause with turkey hunting for a little while after I had this certain encounter. But we're gonna hit we're gonna hit turkey season hard this year. Um yep. But having that same excitement, duck hunting, and then have the dog aspect of it, I was sold out. And then, like, this is what I keep telling everybody. is like, I love chasing pheasants. But I didn't know how, like, hard it was because it was all I knew. I didn't, you know, you're walking how many gazillion miles a day from, depending on where you are, if you can't start till 10, you're walking till dark. Unless you get super lucky and, and get your three birds before, you know, before the sun goes down. And you had to like have all the dogs and just the added extra concern about keeping all the dogs safe. And it's just, everything's just added over there in the upland world. Yeah. I showed up at the first duck camp and there was like one dog and then, yeah. and then, and then these, these, these ducks come <clears throat> in to you. I was like, this is a whole nother world, but I was so sucked into my life and I loved it so much. I didn't even take the time to explore outside of it, you know? until it was the opportunity was given and I took it, but it really changed my focus. And so I was headstrong. I didn't want to chase anything but chucker and pheasants for like years. I mean, I just left the house, I homeschooled Tater and we were on the road and it was fun. And then, you know, the yeah. whole, another, another season of life came a new experience, new learning. I feel like I'm starting from scratch and I love that challenge. Like, I feel yeah. like it's a lot um, similar to when I first started shooting because you're always shooting in front of a crowd when you're in tournaments or whatever, like there's always a crowd there. So you have to get over the fact that you make a fool in front of other people. That's just part of life, you know, yeah. like who cares The And that was the thing is like, I never claimed to know more than I did. I was typically a rookie everywhere I went, but it was so much fun. And there was always somebody there to teach me something new. And it just, it just added to my hunting experience. And so I was like, okay, I don't care about learning something new or looking like a fool. Somebody is not doing it because they're scared, but I'll just pave the way and hold everybody's hand and we'll just all do it. Yeah. 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 I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, I, and I've never explored outside of, you know, Chaz, Hey, come here, come there, you know, come to, uh, I've been to Bible. I can't say how many places. And I'm just like, there comes my homebody, you know, just wanting to stay. I home. saw it. I saw it. You yeah. are a walking encyclopedia. 
And I saw you freeze and I couldn't help it. I was texting Ashley. I'm like, you were not going to believe what just happened. Like, (laughs) (laughs) okay. So I have to tell Ray, if you call Chris at Jargon and he will talk to you for hours, or if you show up, or if you see him at a show, he's going to talk for hours. He's going to teach you. He is going to interact with you, but you throw him with a mic in front of a crowd and he forgot everything he ever learned and i was there like it's like i think what it is is basically i get cross you know my whole head starts twisting of you know how do i roll myself into this and how to roll myself out of that and like you know chad you tell chad you just say uh i don't know talk about trees you know and he's like (laughs) boom 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 and i'm like you know that's a gift don't get me wrong I mean, it really is a gift to be able to just sit there. There's certain people, and don't get me wrong, I've been, if you don't put me on spot, you don't tell me there's a mic, you don't say, hey, look, you're fixing to speak in front of my I can go off for days. But I know. As as you, I mean, Clay did it the first time I went over there to talk about Jordan and talk about my basically childhood of how I started deer hunting, and then I rolled into duck hunting and all this stuff, and I just literally choked up, and he's like, man, I, do you need a beer? I said, no. Well, I I never seen that side of you, right? And so at Delta Waterfowl Convention, Realtree booth is packed. Yeah. They're like, you guys have this killer product and this cool brand and there's all these people there. And I I just, I've never seen it before. I've never seen you just be like blank. (laughs) And I'm like, I know he can talk about this until the the cows come home. You know, it's like, what? It's your jam. This is your jam. Yeah. Yeah. And I I feel comfortable on podcasts. I mean, I've done tons of them with Chad. I mean, um, again, I think it's just because we're talking back and forth. And, you know, Chad's good at rolling you into stuff. He really is. I mean, you can sit there. He's really good at getting you to say things that you don't really know that you're saying. Absolutely. answer the question knowing what answer he's after. Absolutely. I'm going to play you like that. I really want to know what's in your heart. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah, so I mean, but uh, as far tell as the, us about uh, you, tell us about you. Like, I want to get to know you on here. So, I know that you had a company with your brother before, yeah. but the funny thing is, is you want to know how I know this? Because of your camera guy. I love that dude. He is a genius. Stephen Finley is a genius of the South. You know, Stephen, huh? And he doesn't have to leave the South. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think he's one of the best storytellers ever. And people don't really know that because he just hides behind his work. Yep. Yep. But I think that's so cool. Yeah. He's amazing. Um, uh, You know, and my brother did a lot of camera work. Um, When we first, we were kind of in that roots. When we first started our other duck call company is we're right there in line with people were starting to do video, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong, man, you had, you know, Freddie King and all these older people that had videos already going, they were doing Echo DVDs and everything else. And by the way, I mean, that's what made Echo is them DVDs. I mean, you know, to, to see the Mallards coming in September, the way they killed them, the way they killed them on, you know, uh, public land. And it just was amazing to everybody. So they kind of just jumped onto it. And to be honest with you, that's what started me. That's what started me drive that. I just wanted to, it was the whole chase. It was the whole chase of trying to 
go into a set of woods that you've never been into, find the mallards, find what they're doing, and to go back and fool them. And it's tough to do. A lot of people think, oh, man, you go out there, you throw out decoys, and you just kill the heck out of them. And that just don't happen nowadays like it used to, you know? Uh, they just, their mallards now, I think they're educated. They've evolved a little bit. They're getting smarter and smarter, and they're getting pressured and pressured every year. And so you can't do that anymore. But that's how we started out. I had, you know, Red Lake Waterfowl. We started a company, started building some duck calls. I'm a fanatic with a duck call. I just love it. I love blowing them. I just, you know, I'll ever, there's not a day that goes by that I probably don't pick up a duck call just to blow it and, and do a fee call or whatever. But I was like, hey, I wasn't thinking about money. I was just like, hey, this would be cool to start. And, uh, you know, we were <laughs> and we had a, another company in Baton Rouge and uh, we were running CNC machines. And I'm like, you know, we ran CAD. My brother did. And I was like, let's see if we can build a duck call. And so that's when it kind of started. And we just slowly started doing it. And you can ask my brother to this day. I'm a perfectionist. Extreme. So nothing's ever perfect for me. And that's a problem I have. I really do. Because there's like, I've got to touch it over and over again. I can't be like, okay, that's done. Oh my and God. So How do you and Chad ever get anywhere? Because he's the same way. Like y'all are so per like OCD about the details. Yes. yes. And that's what happened. my brother, my brother would ask me, he would tell me, Hey, look, Chris, figure out what you want. Like we would literally be changing on a computer and he'd be running a CAD and stuff. And yeah. I, run it. I know more machine behind the scenes of that than I know CAD, but my brother knows CAD really, really good. He's a whiz at it. And I'd like, we would sit there and be drawing it up. And he's like, we're stopping now. And when you come back to me, I want you to know exactly what you want. I'm like, well, I'm always going to change there. And I'm like, I don't know if that's what I want. I want to be able to see it, be able to picture it, be able to blow it. And bless his heart, but he don't, he don't know how to blow a duck call to this day. He can blow okay, but Darren's not a proficient duck caller. Oh my gosh. So here we go. Like the, I might end up like your brother. So it's hard to tell somebody. That doesn't yeah. know that it's like me, you know, you telling me how to, I don't know, basically train a, a pointer or whatnot. Unless I know that, there's no way I can get on the same level as you. And so that's what, what happened with the duck calls. I was constantly, and boy, he get aggravated, we get aggravated. You know, I got that brotherly love, you know, by Keith Whitley. That's how yeah. it was, you know. We fight like whatever it is, he says, you know. So um, that's how it started out. We started coming up here to Arkansas. We were filming some in Louisiana. Um, we started filming over here, um, some hunts and, uh, just really just, you know, promoting, promoting brands, promoting our brand and so forth. And you can have the best product in the world, best product in the world, but if you do not get it in the hands or getting in it in on the market where it needs to be, mm. it's just never going to be, it's never going to amount to anything really. It's, it's only going to go so far. And so that's what happened is that, um, you know, we just, we never, connected with the right parties or and we're getting burnt out on it. I mean, you go 60 days and try to duck hunt and try to get film. I mean, every time those guys come over here, you know, for the foul life and we film, I feel for them, you know, getting back, taking the camera equipment, charging all this stuff, dropping their cards, you know, dropping all that stuff off. Oh the gosh, board. those poor camera guys work all day and work Dude. all night. Everybody thinks it's so much fun and it is, it is it so is. rewarding, but I can't tell you how many times we're on the road and somebody invites us over for dinner. I mean, which Chad does amazing and he's always hosting and cooking and all this stuff, but it is just so nice to be in somebody else's home 
and you're yeah. just like chill out and people invite us over and i'm like oh my gosh like when we were at delta waterfowl and brandon and brady had us at their house i was like oh this yeah. is just so nice because it just feels like home and that's like the only bit of home we get yeah yeah because you constantly chad is constantly working he's constantly trying to think about what to do. <laughs> perfection that's, that's awesome i'll be honest with you why well, give it to him he is a um uh how should i put this he's basically he's extreme when it comes to having to constantly in his head know that he has to film you know, he's, it's almost an insane, it's an insane thing that you have to do in order to do that business right. In order to promote your sponsors, right. You have to nonstop hundred percent, whatever you're doing, whatever you're going hunt, whatever you go into a place, you got to constantly be thinking about your sponsors back of your head to know that, Hey, I got to promote this product. And this is the, this is the chance I have today to promote it, you know? So, um, well, it's, it's tough. not that it's that we're going to use it. And this is my thing. Like, I'm not like him. I am like laid back. I'm going to have a good time. And, and he's always on the, those little bitty details. And yep. so it's really been good for me because we're going to use the product, but then I end up not having any documentation that I actually use the product. Yeah, That's yeah. been my problem is like, well, I've worked my tail off and it's all been done right. But I never had somebody there to say, she actually does that, you know, like I have yeah. a whole career that nobody knows about <laughs> and, yeah. and he's done such a great job to, uh, give credit to the people in the industry that keep us doing what we do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, again, that's the, the it's, su it's such the a gift. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, he's got a great trade as far as on how, how that rolls together. To be honest with you, it would exhaust me. To think about you know just constantly because i'm like you whenever i get to a place i want to just chill out when i get back from a hunt i don't want to do b-roll i don't want to do all that stuff or after Listen, we finish hunting like, <laughs> we know. went to the eye convention i had so much fun i don't know if i've ever had more fun got more done planned more of my future in three or four days as I ever have at this SCI convention. I can't stop talking about it. And especially redirecting my focus to women and getting women in the outdoors and mentoring women like I did when I first started. Um, I did so much of that while we were there. And I literally can't even put a reel together for Instagram because I was so in the moment and I should have told him, follow me around with your phone. But yeah. I didn't. And I was like, I have my entire like next season is planned. It's already done dates, everything. And I like, I can't advertise it because, <laughs> because I was in the moment. And so I really am going to focus on working on that because I want to inspire other women to get out there. And, and you guys are and like, Ashley, oh my gosh, y'all are just like family, you know, and welcoming. Like, it's such a great brand to embrace women that are getting in to waterfowl or wing shooting in general. And just, so it's like, I got to get better at it because there's women out there that want to, they come to me and I feel like at the end of the day, man, not only did I fail the companies that support me, but I failed really given the women that are needing answers 
like a place to go and an advertise and, and show them the products that I am using, not just because I love the product, but I love the people and yeah. you can trust it. You know, it's a yeah. big deal when you, when you go to women it's different than the guys, the guys want the product that they love. The women want the product that that's best for them and the support that they're going to need to find the confidence to get on with it. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you this too, you know, I always tell us this, you know, it's a joke around the house a little bit, but you know, Ashley is an incredible mom, incredible, you know, realtor, you know, of course we both sell real estate, you know, that's, that's where I was today for being a little late commercial, you know, I do commercial, I do land, she does residential and she's great at everything she does. I've always tried to get her to, you know, come duck hunting or come do rabbit hunting, whatever it might be to try to get her. And, and we made fun of it a little bit, just kind of like a little joke. I was like, you know, I got to get you a hobby, you know? And she's like, but her hobby really is her family, you know? So yeah. I can't say that hey, she don't have a hobby, but that being said, house I think a lot of kids, y'all got a house. Exactly. exactly. We got hobbies. We got <laughs> hobbies. So, you know, but the thing, biggest thing I think with women is, is that, you know, if you think about it, okay, a woman can play tennis. She go to, to the club, the country club, or whatnot. She can play tennis. She can do all these different things. She goes shopping. But there's there hasn't been really a specific hobby that I can throw out to my wife that you could do and have a group of people do with, right? But there is hunting. There is fishing. There's the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And you notice that there's not – I think it's been said and kind of known that, hey, women really don't like that. You know, but they do. Who the says the- that? Well, I'm in my just whole life. That. My grandmother is 85 and she's hunted since she was 17. And like yeah. it, it was normal in my family. Like nobody ever said you're a girl. And, I and just, that's the thing. The I don't know that. Right. See, I don't. In my family, my mom never hunted. My sister never hunted. None of the girls hunted. And it was kind of like a, an unnormal thing in my area for to see a girl go hunting right but now it's becoming more the norm and it's becoming that women should experience it why not why shouldn't i mean hell half of them are we just went to that banquet over there in jonesboro and this 90 something year old lady gets up there and is blowing a duck call and she's no going way. To I didn't tell me about that it was unbelievable how good she was you know? and she's a world champion duck caller but you know I think it's just because people have been told or they might get in a situation where it's like, that's not normal for a girl to hunt. My little girl, Catherine, loves to hunt. I mean, loves it. She can see mallards way better than anybody I've ever been around. She can pick off a mallard from a gray duck, you know, a gawal, a teal, whatever. She can see if it's a teal. She knows their wing beats, all that stuff. And, you know, I took her and I wasn't, I had two girls first. And my last two or two boys, well, I say my last two, you know, hey, we're open to having any name as you want. Oh, my gosh. Y'all are crazy, too. I, I feel like, hey, look, load the porch up. Because when I get old and I'm on that porch, I want somebody to come talk to me. You know? Oh. So, anyways, I got two boys that are last. So, I got basically a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And then my girls are uh, 15 and 11. And so, you know, I didn't know if I was going to have a boy you know, and what God gives me. And so Catherine was kind of that outdoorsy and she started catering to it. Jennifer, she's starting to get to where she's kind of wanted to take care of following me. Jennifer's yeah. following me. So I'm like, girl, we'll suck. She talks about it all the time, girl. but I think what it was is she's kind of like this is like, I'm not going hunting. I'm not going to an area. I'm not going to go elk hunting. 
right? Right. If I don't have the right bow or the right gun or the right camouflage, I don't feel like I'm doing it justice. Not that I have to have everything perfect. Not that I have to have everything 100%. Oh, gosh. Has she got your perfectionism? Yes. I think it's <laughs> feel, she feels like, hey, look, I want to have my own set of waders. I want to have my own jacket. I want to have my own shotgun. I want to have all my own stuff. And until she has that, she feels like, hey, I really don't want to use some of my stuff because I'm not doing it 100%, right? And that's how I am. I mean, it really is. And that's why I haven't won on a lot of hunts that I have. But um, but that being said, uh, you know, I think women now are starting to fall in that thing. And if you have more women like yourself, that would start pushing that and kind of having a place to go, a place to learn how. Why is there not a woman out there teaching how to blow a duck call? Because y'all can get on the same I love that you're bringing this up because I've never had a female mentor. And all the crazy things that I've done and the adventures that I've been on. Now, Miss Barb that runs the BDC was always a super supporter. She was probably the closest thing. But like I had already like kind of mastered that game, but I just had so much appreciation and respect for her because at her age, like if I ever lost, I lost to her, (laughs) you know, I was like, she, and, and I told her like they were trying to change the rules because she just always was in ladies player of the year competition, all this stuff. And I'm like, please don't quit. Like, don't stop doing what you're doing because people want to talk negatively about the fact that you're always there. So what if it's because you and your husband are retired and you travel all over the country bird dogging and you have more points because you go more, who cares? You're paving the way for women. You paved the way for me and Mm -hmm. how much I just appreciated the fact that her and her husband tag teamed it. They ran doubles together like it was just something for me to celebrate. And I never, like, if I ever had to lose, I definitely wanted to lose to her because yeah. she's a rock star. I mean, she was like yeah. in her late fifties running dogs all day long, giving me a run for my money, you know? And I just loved it. I loved being in the blind with her, but that's it. I've never been able to find another female to impart that kind of wisdom that I needed on the road. And so it's one of those things when like I got to pause and I was traveling with Chad, it was like, I'm still the only female to every camp, you know, mm. and and that's fine. But I need to take some other women under my wing just so that they feel more confident when they're there because they're probably the only female there too. And yeah. so I do have a, a lady that I'm talking with in Alabama and she's a guide and and even though her family has the preserve, she's like, I still need a female. It's like, guide me through this world. Yeah. So um, JC's helped me a lot too. just kind of had that reflection because I was like, my dad raised me as a, a boy <laughs> because he didn't have one. He only had me. And so you can relate to this because you didn't yes, know if you would have one. Yeah. I was raised in the construction world. I always had a pickup and like, I feel right at home in a woodworking shop. And so that's just not normal. And then I realized like, okay, well, maybe I'm not normal. The reason I'm not relating is because of my upbringing. It was, it was because of the way that my dad just needed free labor is what happened. And he taught me, you know, like I learned math with a, a measure tape <laughs> and stuff. That's so good, though. I mean, well, it is. And I'm so grateful. It gave me a lot of independence that I didn't know I would need in life. 
But at the same time, JC did, I talk about this almost every podcast, but it's just, it just resonates with me so much, especially after having this SCI event that was all focused on women in hunting. And JC did a video for SCI talking about, just like you said, about Jennifer, if women are, are feel like they, they look the part that they have what they need to go accomplish it. And it's not, it's not just egotistical looking good. It's that they feel like they fit in. Right. Then they have more confidence to go succeed in the activity where I was raised to be like, I never even thought about what I looked like half the time. I didn't even have enough ladies attire to even make an outfit. I was wearing cowgirl clothes, like my favorite jeans, cowgirl boots. I just put chaps on so that I didn't get eat up with the briars. My concern was, I don't want to look like a fool. I don't want to, I don't want to be a bad shooter. That was like my biggest insecurity. That's why I shot every day. It was like, I found something and I was terrible. Like if, if I can become a state champion and have all these titles running dogs, anybody can do it if they decide they want to do it because my coach will tell you if there was an issue I had every single one of them (laughs) and so I just didn't share that part well enough until JC talked about her insecurities and I realized I raised her and and she still had them those are the ones would you talk about right there the people that have it the hardest the people that basically don't care about what they really look like they just they want to be the best of the best to like say for instance playing golf right i want to make sure that i hit it down the fairway i don't care what i'm wearing i don't care what i'm doing i want to make sure that i'm 100 perfect those are the ones that are dangerous and what i mean <laughs> by that is those are the ones that become unbelievable at what they do i mean because that's what I, that's how i am it's like you know with a duck call i don't care if i aggravate people i don't care if i'm blowing a duck call or over again i want to make sure that i'm proficient 100 percent that's why I've never blown in contests, but maybe a couple of times, because I don't feel like. Oh it's like, my gosh! You would forget a you would forget your pattern or your reason, exactly. And I do, <laughs> I do. The ones that I did actually, the first contest I ever blew in, I walked out on the stage and they say they always tell you, "Hey, look, would you like a warm up?" I was warming up as I was going onto the stage when I duck call. He didn't even ask me for warm up. I'm warming up already, you know. And so, you know, that being said, I mean, you take things like that and that people that want to be a hundred percent of the shotgun and don't care about, you know, their clothes or whatever. I'm telling you, that's the ones that are. Well, and the fun. sad thing was I would, I started as I, I took, let's hear, what was that story? I had a shotgun that I could afford and I went and I was running dogs and I was terrible. I had the time of my life. I was running in, in UFTA in the South and it was so much fun. And I was the worst one there, but I didn't care. I was the only female running in Georgia and it was fun. And those men were nice to me. They made a lot of fun of me, but I was like, at least y'all got stories to tell. Yeah. So I got with my shooting coach and he was like, okay, well, this gun doesn't fit you. So I learned real quick about gun fit and about how if your eye is not aligned with the bead, then the muzzle is not going to shoot where you're looking. And so you're always going to be off. So I was like, well, dang, okay, that's good to know, because that means I probably was doing the right thing, but I didn't have the right gun. So I just looked like I wasn't. Okay. Well, I can accept that. Move on. He's building my self-image along the way. So I didn't come that strong. He helped me do that. And then 
And then he, and then he let me borrow a gun and I started winning with it. And so it just so happened that that gun company that I was winning with was sponsoring the events that I was running. So I was like, well, I want to go, I want this gun, whatever this is, I need one just like it because it's fire. And so that's how it ends up with CZ. And so you just like got to learn, like, it's just like with, like you're talking about with the duck call, like you may start with one that you just don't agree with, but if somebody doesn't tell you that there's other options out there, you may just quit getting started when you really know exactly what you're doing. You're just paired with the wrong tool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's vice versa too. And I'll see a lot of people that they'll try to, there's a certain way to tune a duck call. There's a certain way a duck call should sound good in my opinion and pretty much a lot of people's opinion. I mean, we talked, me and John David talked yesterday, you know, about this is about, you know, how I can take a call that's really, really loose, extremely loose, got a lot of holding, a lot of back pressure, which I like in a, in a hunting call or just a call to call around. Cause I can run it. I can, I can manipulate it to make it sound where I need to sound. Every level of experience. Right. But that being said, people nowadays, what they're doing is, is they're finding a call that caters to their calling style. And what I mean by that is, is that they're not proficient with a duck call. Yeah. But this call is a crutch to them. Yes. And it makes them seem like they're doing it good. But at the end of the day, they need to be blowing a call that's going to make them better. That's going to make them become better. Depends on the time and it depends on the goal because the gun world is the same way. Like I don't shoot that original gun brand anymore, but because better, yeah, better now. Well, I can adjust just like you said, I've learned to adjust. Right. And so that, that gives me the freedom to align with brands that are, or to partner with brands that align with like, we have the same mission, which is really, really good. Um, it benefits like me, but not everybody can do that. And so it's just like hunting. And this is probably like a bad topic, but preserve hunting or whatever. It's like, as long as people are supporting our industry, I don't really care how they get there. And I don't really you care know. what their limits are because some people that live in the city that don't have the time that we have to invest in everything that we have, like if they get to come just for a little while, I'm just so happy. And so all this like anti-private land or anti, I'm like, who the heck we can't argue within our industry anymore. We are literally fighting to keep it. If you look at Australia, Australia just passed law. They, they limited duck hunting. They limited quail hunting. Nobody even knew about the quail hunting days. They slid that sucker in there. So like, this is real life. This political world that we're living in is real life. The hunting community has to quit disagreeing on stupid things like that and just be like, hallelujah, we're getting people in the outdoors. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. So that's why I'm like, if somebody finds something and they're limited in skill, but that's all the time they got to give to it, I don't care. I will celebrate them. And that's whenever somebody calls is I ask them and say, hey, look, are you going to be basically a guy that's going to want to have a call that's going to sound good on the weekends, just on the weekends? Or do you want to really get down to the nitty gritty and you want to learn that call 100%? Yeah, that ain't me. I want something that's going to make me look like a rock star next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so I tell them, hey, look, this is the call that you need to blow or this is the call that you need to blow and so forth. But there's a lot of people that call me up and they're like, like I had a bunch of people come up to the NWTF show and they're like, man, Tell me the call that make gonna make me better. It's gonna make me just really, really good at become good. Because 
I don't care if I leave my shotgun. I tell people this all the time. I don't care if I bring a shotgun. I really don't. I mean, I, not to be conceited, but I've killed a ton of mallards. I love shooting them. If I could shoot them and let them go back up in the air after I shoot them, that'd be fine with me. Um, yeah. I love to eat them. I love to eat them, but really at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if I shoot, if I hunt that many days and I shoot that many birds, you know, that is a lot of birds to eat. And don't get me wrong, I can eat them, but I don't have to have that many, you know. And I'm I'm a very conservative person. You know, it's like, hey, look, if there's two mallards out there, I'm probably going to let them both go. But if there's three, I'm probably going to just shoot one of them and I'll let the other two go mate, you know. But a lot of people don't have that mindset. They're like, just kill them all, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything's so much nowadays, and you'll see this, is that everybody's worried about limits. They're all worried about basically, you know, taking a picture. You know, I can't tell you how many times that I, I just go hunting and, when we get done, I'm always thinking about the next time. That's how my mindset is, is where are we hunting tomorrow? Where are we going to go? How are we going to do it? Everybody else is sitting there taking pictures and so forth. And don't get me wrong, there's, there's a time, place, and there's certain situations you have to do that. But when I'm just hunting with buddies, I'm like, I don't care less about a picture. I just took a mental picture with my head this morning. I will remember that for the rest of my life. I don't need a picture to show me. Don't get me wrong, I love looking back at pictures. My wife tells me that all the time. She's like, you never want to take pictures, but you love looking at them. Just to relive you that moment. You gotta do it because I'm just like you. I, me and Taterbug went pheasant hunting in um, California one day when we we were on the duck hunt, like to kick off season. But we took a day yeah. and went pheasant hunting, and I have a picture of her, and she took a picture of me, and I don't have a picture of us. Yeah. And I'm like, why didn't I just set up the camera yeah. and take a picture of us? But I just I was like, oh, Taterbug, you're so cute, you know, whatever, and um. But Chad is so good at that. And we have all the books. We have, I mean, we have just silly pictures from home to every trip we've ever been on. And we've traveled 19 states together. And we have photos of all of it. And it's so special. Like, we're so dorky. We literally will, instead of Snapchatting, because, you know, we're old, we will text screenshots of old pictures to each other, like, throughout the day. Like, you know, like, no words, but just, like, Remember when we did that? Like that was so much fun, and I'm so talk grateful. That that. Being, yeah, they talk about a picture being a thousand words, worth a thousand words, and it is. It's like I can't tell you how many times I went to my grandparents, and they always had a photo album of us fishing when we were young, or you know, hunting or whatnot. And I've looked at it a thousand times, yeah. but every time I came in, I'd go through them again, and I yes. just looked through. Them. And you, because you relive that moment, you really do. I know. And I mean, his house is like a museum of those moments, like of all of his special moments. And yep. I've tried to do that, but I I really just have learned to appreciate. And and then I just rely on him to do it just because I know he's going to do it. Well, he's got a little female. He's got a little female in him. He's got a little, just a little bit of female <laughs> he in him. does That's, not. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, is he, he is very good with uh, creating things and decorating. He is. I mean, look at that table we made with all the duck calls and all the tickets. Oh, my and gosh. Things from I mean, childhood and everything, yeah. I can't keep all that yeah. stuff together. That's my problem is, is like, if you tell me to build a workbench of where you put your hammer at, where you put your screwdrivers at, all that stuff, I'm not going to be able to do it. I just can't. You know why? Because my mind's like, I've got to have it perfect. So how can I make it perfect? You know? Um, it is but, perfect though like it, it is perfect and every yeah. concert we go to with all of his friends that hunt with him 
We have pictures. We keep our ticket stubs. We have signed things. We like, we have everything that would, I mean, we saved the cups that were like souvenirs from Red Rocks. I tell you, I have so much junk in my suitcase when we're traveling home from somewhere because it's all memorabilia. It's all like to him, it's all memorabilia. We're going to have a museum one day. And and I'm like, we're really going to have a museum one day and people are going to pay us to come and see our adventures through Duckland. I don't know about that. Maybe they will. Like, it would be awesome to have one place. I bet they would. People come to us instead of us going anywhere else. But like they will. I mean, all, it's, all the cool stuff that we do. Yeah, I literally keep every little trinket. And now I've realized, okay, well, I was kind of the same way. I have every lanyard of every event I've ever gone to, all the Pheasant Fest, all the stuff. I'm like, oh my God, we're the same kind of hoarder. Like we're hoarders mm-hmm. of memories. He just is better at it than I am. I have every article yeah. I was ever in in a notebook and all that kind of cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, so you guys listening to us, like, just start doing it. Like, like I, this is the thing that I'm going to start doing too, that it's been my dog's two years now, and she's been hunting for a year and a half. I regret not keeping a journal because now I'm realizing she's really got some it factors and I don't know how far I'm going to take that. I know I'm not going to send her away to run SRS or the grand. I, I want her with me more than that would allow but her hunting career may be so incredible and I don't have the first chapter and it makes me so sad. So I'm like y'all just take the time to keep the stuff. When you guys are at hunt camp and you go to some cool bar and you have these amazing memories, take the picture, keep the napkin or like Wisconsin. We, we got these little wood discs when we were up there at grouse camp one at one cool bar, like that sits on my desk and just, God, it's just, it means so much when you have a bad day and you're around the house and then you see that and you're like, this is why I do what I do. This is why I work this job. This is why I dig a little deeper. This is, you know, whatever it is, like, it's just such an uplifter. Yeah. You hadn't had the opportunity to hunt around Lexi at all. My dog, my black lab, she's eight years old now. I hear she's perfect. Lexi's perfect. I'm telling you, like, she's like... (laughs) She's so close to being human. It's incredible. It really is. And, you know, I got her from Chris Aiken, the Bono over there, Bono, Arkansas. I'm going to see Um, him in two weeks. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm actually going to get another puppy from him soon, but he's, um, I've been pushing off. You talk about being sad, you know, I've been pushing off and pushing off for years and years and years of, uh, you know, breeding Lexi and, you know, having another round of puppies because I've always, wanted to see if I could, you know, you, they always tell you you get one good dog in your lifetime. I don't think that's true hundred percent, but I do think that you get, you get a special one that comes along. That's really special. Yeah. And you get one, that one like that, but that's how Lexi is. And so, you know, we just found out literally we took her to the vet the other day because she just had a lump on her, on her belly and um, right around her, basically her milk section. And, and literally it was, uh, it's the, the vet saying it's cancer, it's breast cancer. And so, yeah. And so, no. So they're going to remove it and, um, you know, it could come back. It could, you know, you know, get worse or whatnot. It could have been basically all infected, but she thinks it's not. But that being said, she's eight years old and, you know, really eight years old is about the time you want to retire a lab Mm -hmm. from ever, you know, breeding and whatnot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sad because it's like, 
as good as she is, as just bad to the bone as she is, because her mom was a three-time grand champion, just unbelievable dog. Her dad was too. And I never gave her that moment, you know, and I feel bad. Oh, it's hard, isn't it? That's hard. I never gave her that moment to be able to shine, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was because, again, like you said, I was somewhat of a selfish thing, but it's like I wanted her around me. I wanted her, yeah. I wanted to hunt her. There's so many labs out there, like her mom literally only hunted one time in her lifetime, one time. And she was that good of a dog. She went all these hunt tests and everything else, but she hunted one time. And, you know, she's passed away now. And it's like, I didn't want that to happen to Lexi. And so I didn't want her to keep her all balled up in all these different competitions. And everybody comes to me and they're like, dude. They love it. They love it though. Yeah. You know what? Like I feel the same exact way. And this is what I've been worried sick. And, and Littles is only two. I'm like, I don't, I've not got behind a dog besides Axel. And it's different when you watch a dog, you can get wild watching a dog. Yeah. But when you're driving the dog, that oh, just God. ups ups everything so much more. And so I said, man, I have national and world titles with both of Little's parents and her grandmother. Like I have that dog because I know that dog speaks my language. Like yeah. it's perfect for me. And yeah. so I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do next? How will I ever feel that? This is exactly what I need, what I'm going to love, what is just my jam. How will I ever feel that again? And Taterbug came up with it. She said, well, because uh, she wanted to get back into running dogs. So she, that's like her thing is to run dogs. So she, I was like, okay, well, we'll get you an HRC. We've got a dog we can use while Littles is getting finished. And she's like, mom, Axel is so good for you. All you got to do is get like a senior on Littles and then just breed them. And there's your dog. And I'm like, the nine-year-old just, <laughs> just solved world problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is yeah. true. You talk, you talk about running a dog, you know, my fondest memory of Lexi was literally we're out in the blind, we're hunting geese, snow geese, snow geese fell probably, I think it was, this guy had a damn range finder on that day. And he said it, that snow goose like 730 yards. And I never ran Lexi. I ran Lexi about, I always to make a bigger dog, you always run a dog further because i've trained all every single one of my labs because of perfection again oh and, my god yeah and literally i would run them out there's there was these poles by the shop over there in augusta that we used to run the duck calls out of and it was about 600 right 600 yards and i do reverse blinds you know so basically you know a regular blind you know running them on a straight you know straight blind never went to a pile uh, you just run them and you keep directing them. Keep keep telling them back. If they go over the left, you keep on pushing them back, pushing them back. And then you get them to that pile and then they establish that pile and then they come back to you, right? And so now they become proficient at going to that pile. And you're all you're doing is you get them to run straight, you know, because if you don't get a dog to run at a pile, they'll just keep on teetered off, you know. But once they learn that pile, they'll come back and forth. Well, I do like a reverse blind and I'll set them up on the pile. I'll call them back to me. I'll put a bumper in the mouth before I leave that pile. I call them back to me. They get to me. I sit on my side. Now, this is after they've already learned how to do a T drill and all that stuff. Yeah. But I would run Lexi on 600 yard, you know, blinds. And she was just, boy, she was just straight line. I mean, you couldn't get a straighter line. You could literally put a daggum tight wire out there and she'd probably run down it. That's how straight they were. And just again, anal and, and just 
really ins insane about running that every day. You got, you, know? a, you got a U in the version of a lab. Yes. And so I took her to sit on this blind. And I told my buddy, I said, I don't know if she's going to pick that bird up, but couldn't even see it. It was in a field with all kinds of grown up. And uh, she had to cross two little sloughs. It was like a little bayou that basically was a, it was a, a irrigation ditch in the um, different fields. I sent her out and she popped one time. And what popping is, I'm sure you know what that is. They'll turn around and look at you and they go, what the heck? You know? Yeah. And she popped and turned around and looked at me and I sent her back and I, I never told her this. She just picked this up on her own is angles. She just knew my angle of my hand that, Hey, I need to go an angle. I've never had a teacher. She just picked it up and I sent her on her angle to the right. And literally she went straight, kept straight on that angle, went straight to that bird, picked that bird up and come all the way back. And one thing that I wish I'd have had is I wish I'd have had, you know, a crew out there filming it. Because, I mean, we had to go back and watch that. It's unbelievable. But when it got back to us, there was a guy over there, and he says, I will give you $20,000 cash basically today. I want that dog. And I said, uh, I said, I'll tell you what, you ask my wife if she'll sell that dog when we oh, got back. And actually, that at that time, no, we got back, and actually, at that time, was helping us cook and feed people and walked in and said, hey, uh, I offered your husband that $20,000 for Lexi out there, and, you know, he said, I ask you, and she said, well, you can't have her, but we have another one, we'll say, you know, and it was America, <laughs> and America is now a three-time grand champion. My buddy bought him, and I, I tell him this all the time. I was like, I gave you that dog, because I sold it way too fast. It was a story dog, but she's bad to the bone. That came off of Freddie, one of Freddie's litters, Freddie King's litters, but, um, you know, that's the thing with a dog. It's the same thing with a duck calls is, is that, you know, you might leave your shotgun at home. You might leave your whatever it might be at home, but you're not leaving your dog. You're not leaving your dog calls, you know? Yeah. That's just. Like and you, you know said, what? You're right. That's the same thing. Like some people just don't get the right dog the first time because they didn't know how to pick one. So if you're listening and you're frustrated with something, don't give up. Just realize you just got paired with the wrong thing. If you're not yeah, shooting and, right, if you're not shooting yeah. right, message me. I will help you figure it out. I will get you with somebody in your area. Like, don't be frustrated because there's a world of options out there. Yep. Yep. Dogs okay. are something. We big. don't have much longer. <clears throat> I think we got about eight minutes and our and our um things gonna cut off. We've been doing this for an hour and a half. I'm gonna blow this thing and you're gonna you're gonna yeah. give me some coaching because we're gonna have to come back on here and we're gonna have to get serious about the duck calling lesson. Cause that was my intention. But we haven't seen each other in so long. We had to play catch up. <laughs> So, All right, so give me the basics. What's this foundational basic? Basically, the foundation of it all, everything. Fee call, cadence, you know, you can go into all different stages, but, you know, the basic is a quack. You got to get a quack down. You got to get proficient. You got to have that quack 100%. Once you get that quack 100%, and you will know, because you know what a duck sounds like. You know what it sounds like on the water. Um, you know, a hen. You know, a lot of people... I, I, one time I basically said, hey, look, you know what a, a duck sounds like? I'm like, yeah, I saw a green head out there quacking away. And I'm like, no, the green heads don't quack. You know, so how much duck hunting do you do? Um, but the hen's the one that's going to be quacking, you know, and basically all you're trying to imitate is that perfect quack. You and, got one? You got one right there? Yep. The main okay. thing you don't want to do is you don't want to basically uh, just put real quick air. 
you want to drag your notes out at first. So it's a long quack. The longer you can make it, the better it's going to sound. So what I say into a call is I say, uh, uh, oot, oot, oot. Um, okay. JD, the other day I was watching the thing with JD and he says, he says, quack, 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 quack. Um, cause that's what they sound like. But I say, oot, oot, and I take away the word. So this is how it sounds and you got to start it. So it's basically like this when an engine, it's got that startup power, right? Yeah. So you got to have that startup power, that torque, that torque's going to take off. So like when you hit it, it can't be just straight air like this. It's got to be fog in a window saying oot, oot, but fog in a window with hot air. <laughs> so if you listen to me, that little, <laughs> that's that torque. That's that right. starting air, right? Okay. So oot, oot, <laughs> and just take it and make it one long thing. Let's get going. Is it cutting out on you at all? Yeah, I can't hear it. You can hear it? No, I can't hear your duck call. Yeah. No, I can't hear it. Why, where did it go? Let me see if the sound right here. Let's see. Uh, okay. What about now? Okay, check. Yeah, we got that. Okay. Again, got there. Say without the call. Turn the call around on the back of the call. Go. Okay. You hear that? Yep. It's cutting out. Ah, oh, I don't know cutting how to do that. Go to your uh, sound and put on mu musician. Um, where is the sound at? I never heard of this. So if you go to your settings and you basically, there's going to be sound, it should be sound on the top of the screen or where it says mute, you click on the side of it, I believe. Yeah. On the mute, it says, I don't get to, I don't see where it says, oh, audio settings. And I'm yep. supposed to use what? And go on musician, original sound for musician. Original sound for musicians. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Only a duck hunter is going to know this. Okay. Ready? Yep. Try to turn away from the mic a little bit. Go. Still cutting off. Look at the top of your screen and see if it says original sound for musicians on. It not, oh, it says off. On. Okay. Okay, so you see how that's like going like, this is what you're saying. Because you're just letting that re-vibrate, right? Yeah. But it's it's like me, Um, you got a, it's a pop. It's like, again, I'm calling it a back call right here. You should feel it right here in your diaphragm. You should feel, it's almost like Chad says, I hit you in the stomach. What are you going to do? Okay. You kind of come forward. Number one thing that I, see, I see that's doing is, is your air is escaping on the side. So if oh, you okay. notice me, I'm covering the call. And so I take the call and I'm doing like a cook bottle, but I really put it in a real oh. good seat. There's so many little ticks that can just go wrong. Okay. If we 
get cut off because I don't know how this happens. I've never really like ran out of time. Thank mm-hmm. you guys for listening. Chris Zifrio from Jargon, thank you for spending time with us and for all my duck calls to come. And we're going to document this. It might be hilarious and it might help you. I don't know. But we're here for entertainment and to bring new products to the duck industry. Yeah. Number one thing is, is if I'm telling you, don't try to run before you crawl. Try to get the crack down 100%. I don't even know how to close my mouth like that. Actually... I guess I've done that the whole time because that's what feels natural. This is kind of weird. Yeah. Yep. Whoa, that changed a lot. Yeah, one quack. Just one quack. Is it, do you feel like you're coming from I, your diaphragm? Do you feel yeah. like you're falling a window? But I can tell it is so different. Is that better? What does it sound like? I don't know what I feel like it sounds like. Maybe it don't, but I feel like it sounds like that. Yeah, it stretched that quack out. (laughs) That's better, but what I feel like is, is you're just letting the reeds rattle. So, like, you can take and just blow straight air into it. Yeah. And the reeds will rattle. But once you get that, that volume of air... Oh, like I'm not blowing hard enough? No. Everything is off your throat. So when you blow a quack, okay, it's basically closing and opening your throat up. Okay, so this sounds so hard. It's a whole nother level, but you got a fine hen, a coarse hen, a raspy hen, a boss hen, okay? And a fine hen's going to be closed throat, and it's going to be the same amount of air, but it's you're going to blow it a little bit quicker, right? It's just closing your throat down. As you start getting older, just like us, we start slowing down a little bit and our air, we start talking a little slower. Well, kids, they run around you constantly, just wide open. That's the same thing with a duck. So it's basically the slower your air, the more open your throat is, the deeper it's going to sound. Okay. So as you, that's me. So that's how, yeah, so that's, that's how it is with me as far as like, you know, fine air, real quick air, closed throat, coarse. It opens up a little more. It's a little bit more volume of air. It's a little slower. How do you train yourself to do that? It's because it's all in your throat. Everything is on your throat on a duck call. You just told me about my stomach. You didn't tell me about my throat. You got the diaphragm, and the diaphragm is where the air is pulling from. But when it gets to your throat, that's where you're controlling your airflow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what's my homework? To take and get a quack to perfection. All right. And what I mean by that is, is getting that quack exactly. You know what a mallard sounds like. A lot of people say, hey, I don't know exactly if I'm doing it right. But Jargon, you have videos on the Jargon website. Yep. Yep. So if y'all want to get you a Jargon call and go along this journey with me, just send me a message. Yeah, definitely. It's going to happen. I'm going to have a finished dog and I'm going to be blowing my own duck call. And then I'm going to be getting Ashley in the water. We're going to be. You got to be in. You got to be, be. Girl hunting extremely- in the timber. All right. Insane about it. So, this was so much fun. I'm so glad we got to catch up. It was great hearing about your story, how you got involved in it. And I know, like, you just put your whole heart into this brand. I'll try to, at least, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really fun. And um, thank you for being welcoming to all of us ladies. Like, me and Ashley talk about how we're going to get involved and we're going to do all these things. But y'all keep having kids. 
Yeah, well, I tell her all the time. <laughs> well, one thing that I'd love to have her have is is to be, I ain't saying it, but I see all these other couples and they're going to hunt together. I mean, it's 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 pretty cool. I mean, I, it is so I've much said this fun. before. Well, I mean, she's my best friend, so it's nothing like having your best friend hunt together with you. So. I know, I know. Like it, it was something when um, my first camp with Chad, he actually did dog tours with me. Now he griped about it, but he was out <laughs> there, and it was like two degrees, Wisconsin winter, and he aired out all fifteen dogs and helped me and fed them. And I was like, I think this boy might be a keeper. That's right. Because this That's is true. not his world. <laughs> no. 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 Anytime you can do, get somebody to do something that they're not comfortable doing or don't like to do, yeah, 100%. Yeah, all right. Well, I look forward to seeing you guys soon. Thank you. We're going we're gonna to get a part two scheduled so that we can get back on this, and we'll talk about details. We'll just see how many, uh, how many people want to join us on this venture of no. me learning to blow a duck call. Yes, ma'am. Well, I sure all appreciate right. it. Thanks, Chris. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me